Support for Criminal comes from Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who switch to Progressive save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. At that time, it was just kind of like, you know, just underground artists that weren't really like, you know, signed to labels, but like were doing stuff on, uh, you know, like whatever beats they wanted to do, you know, just kind of like a, just like a, a underground scene, you know what I mean? This is Travel Coleman. When he was in his early 20s, in the mid-90s, he was a rising star in the underground rap scene in New York. He was known by his stage name, G-Dep. Travell had always loved music. When he was younger, he'd make his own cassette mixtapes. He had a dual cassette recorder that allowed him to record snippets of songs and beats on top of each other. And then he'd record himself singing along, sometimes other people's songs, or songs he'd make up. Travell would play the songs for his mother, and she eventually bought him his own keyboard and sampler. His mother loved music, too, she always had something playing when Travell was a kid. My mom, my mother, you know, she was a young mother. So she, you know, she used to uh, play music a lot. And, um, you know, I used to, I, can, I remember just sometimes needing it to go to sleep. Like, you know, like if she had it on really loud, the louder the better, you know what I mean? And I could lay there and just, you know, just go to sleep. It was kind of soothing to me. Well, do you remember some of the the people that she liked? What music she liked to play? Yeah, she used to like uh, Cool in the Gang. You know, um, Luther Vandross was one of her her favorites. You know, Michael Jackson. Did you like the music too, or did you just like the fact that there was music on, or did you did you like Michael Jackson? Did you like Luther Vandross? I mean, it was a little bit of both. I really didn't understand what was kind of playing and, until after a while. When, you know, we started watching uh, TV a little more and I was able to associate who was who. Oh yeah, that's Michael Jackson right there. And you know, she had albums of, I don't know if you remember the Michael Jackson off the wall album where he was standing on the wall. And so I knew what he looked like. And you know, you know, so I was kind of familiar with music. Did you ever think when you were young, maybe one day I'll, I'll be a musician. I'll get into music myself. Um. I mean, not when I was really, really young, you know what I mean? I, when I was really, <laughs> when I was really, really young, I thought I was going to be like a, a bodybuilder or something, you know what I mean? I'll never forget that, man. I, it was a little kid on, on Ripley's Believe It or Not. I don't know if you remember that show. 
and the kid was about eight years old and he was like a super, super buff. And I always looked up to that as a little, as a youth. I was like, wow, man, I, I want muscles like that. But I, you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't really, you know, follow up with that. But, you know, that was my first aspiration, though, to be a bodybuilder. Travell remembers he spent a lot of time outside with his friends. They liked to play basketball. Like we would, we would, we would cut like a crate of the bottom out of the crate, tie it to the fence and play basketball, you know, stuff like that, you know, normal stuff. Travell went to a performing arts school. He took a lot of drama classes and was in a few plays. He learned how to play the trumpet and he took a class in acrobatics. They came one day and they were like, yo, listen, we need some acrobats for this, for this, uh, for this opera. It's gonna be in Lincoln Center, so who's your best, you know, acrobat? So they pointed at, you know, myself and two other people, but nobody, like, it was only, they pointed at like four of us, but only two of us wanted to do it. Everybody else was like, I ain't doing that, you know? And they said, we're gonna pay you $75 a show. So, you know, I was like, wow, that's great. I'm telling you, this was, I was in the eighth grade, you know, $75, I was, you know, pair of sneakers or whatever, you know, whatever, you know. So my grandmother, I told her about it when I went home. And she was like, I'll take you, you know. So she used to take me every Saturday. It was just it was just a fun, fun memory of me and her. Tell me about your grandmother. Were you close to her? Yeah, that was one girl, man. We, we she was we was, you know, she was when when I was younger, she was like, you know, kinda harder, like the traditional grandma, you know, oh my goodness. Don't, you know, don't get grandma upset, you know. But as I got older, you know, she, you know, I started to get to know her. And, you know, I started to really understand who she was. And I just fell in love with her even more, you know. Travell remembers his grandmother had a good sense of humor. He says she was always laughing. He eventually moved in with her in Harlem after his mother got married and moved to New Jersey. And he says it was around this time, when he was 13 or 14, that he started selling drugs. It was just one of those things where, you know, believe it or not, it was kind of like a, a status symbol where I lived at to, you know, sell drugs. Like, you know, you were kind of like, you were in the in crowd, you know what I mean? So, you know, that was kind of just, it was everywhere. All I had to do was just come outside, you know what I mean? And what were you selling? Oh, well, I started selling crack at, at first. Were you making money? Yeah, I was I was making a nice amount of money. I mean, you know, for a, a little a, a kid, you know, twenty dollars was it was it was a, it was a nice amount. All I you know, I just wanted to just go to the store and buy some some candy or whatever. You know what I mean? So I wasn't really you know worried about how much I was making or whatever. I just was doing it. You know, at that point, it just it just it's just it seemed like that was all I had. Like you know what I mean? Like I really didn't see any other, like, option, you know what I mean? Travell spent a semester at college, just outside the city, before dropping out. He told his mother he wanted to try to become a rapper. He and a friend would pool their money to pay for a few hours here and there at a recording studio. They'd record a handful of songs, and then they'd try to play the songs for people who might be interested or know someone in the industry. Sometimes they'd stand outside record labels' offices, Def Jam and Atlantic, and try to get people who work there to listen to their tapes. He was still selling drugs. He says that's where he got the money for the recording studios. Travell also decided to buy a gun. He says it felt like something he was supposed to have, just in case. 
was like a like an accessory, like you know what I mean, like you know you you got a you know your keys, your wallet, you know what I'm saying. It was just something. It was it was an accessory. Like. He says he never used it until one night in October 1993. I'm Phoebe Judge. This is criminal. We'll be right back. Thanks to Progressive for their support. While you're listening to the show, maybe you're also doing something else. Driving, dishes, folding laundry. I listen when I go on walks. If you're not currently driving a car, you could also be getting an auto quote from Progressive Insurance. Save money right now from your phone. Drivers who switch to Progressive save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Discounts for having multiple vehicles on your policy, being a homeowner, and more. Progressive will be with you 24-7, 365 days a year, so you're protected no matter what. You can get a quote for your car insurance at Progressive.com to join over the 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Support for Criminal comes from Factor. After a long day at work, sometimes the most convenient dinner option is ordering takeout. But if you make a habit of it, it can get pricey. Factor offers restaurant-quality, ready-to-eat meals delivered right to your doorstep. Factor's meals are both nutritious and tasty, and you can choose from more than 35 different options weekly. They have a variety of meal types to fit your needs, too, like keto, calorie-smart, vegan, and veggie, and more, with plenty of delicious add-ons also. I've tried Factor meals myself. Lately, I've enjoyed their shredded chicken taco bowl and Thai-roasted vegetable green curry. You can get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. You can also pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Head to factormeals.com slash Phoebe50 and use code Phoebe50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next box. That's code Phoebe50 at factormeals.com slash Phoebe50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. In October 1993, Travell Coleman was 18 years old. Late one night, he was riding around Harlem on his bicycle. And I didn't, I didn't plan on actually doing anything. I just had a gun, and I was riding around, and, you know, I happened to see a guy, you know what I mean? And um, I was like, okay, well, you know, you know, maybe I could just rob this guy, you know. He remembers seeing a man smoking underneath some elevated subway tracks. He says he got off his bike and pointed his gun at the man and asked for money. And then, he says, the man reached for the gun. And, you know, I wound up, you know, doing something that I didn't, you know, mean to do. You know, I I wound up shooting the guy. And, you know, we kind of struggled, you know, for the gun. And, like I said, I wound up shooting the guy. 
Travel says he quickly got on his bike and left. And, um, you know, I came, you know, after, after, after that happened, I, I came back around, you know, the, the block and just to, you know, see what actually happened because I, I, I kind of ran. I came back around, you know, and it was like that fast. There were already people you know, on the scene and I like kind of looked and I saw people like kneeled over him. And so I kind of just, you know, I was, I was, you know, then I start seeing uh, sirens and, uh, you know, flash, flashing lights. So I just, you know, jetted into the projects. But I never knew what happened though, you know what I mean? I, I wasn't sure what happened that night. What happened when you went home after that? Well, when I went home, I just, it was one of the things I just kind of like buried my head in the, in the, in the bed and I was like kind of like wish that that didn't happen. Like, you know what I mean? It was like, it was, it was just like a kind of like a nightmare, you know what I mean? And I remember just like laying on my stomach with my head in the pillow, like I couldn't believe it. And then I just, and I just fell asleep. I just kind of like passed out. Did, did you, were you thinking to yourself, I wonder what happened to him? Yeah, I, you know, it was kind of like mixed emotions. Like, it was like, I, what, what did I just do? Like, what, what, you know, what happened? You know, like, I hope nothing happened. And like, uh, like no, this didn't happen. And then I just kind of just went, you know, just fell out with those thoughts. When you woke up the next morning, did you tell anyone what went on the night before? Nah. Nah, I didn't, I didn't talk about it after that. The next day, did you hear anyone talking about a shooting that had happened? Yeah, actually, when I, um, when I, came, when I came out, I was, I was riding the same bike. And some officers kind of, like, pulled me over. And it was, like, weird. Like, I was like, oh, my here we go, you know, I really, I really, I, I was like, could they could, you know, I was like, how could they have known, you know, I was something like, you know, to that extent. So I was like, you know, but I was nervous, you know, and then um, they, so they pulled, they, they said, they asked me, they said, do you know anything about a shooting that happened last night? And I was like, nah, you know, but, 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 but by them saying shooting, I kind of felt like, I thought maybe he was like, all right, because they didn't say like murder or anything like that. So I was like, okay. And that kind of, you know, kind of eased me, eased my, you know, even though I know it was still like bad, you know, but I was still like, well, he didn't die. You know what I'm saying? So I was, you know, I kind of was like, you know, kind of eased my, eased my mind a little bit. You must have been so nervous seeing those police come up to you. Yeah, I was nervous. I was riding a bike. I never, I never forget. I was riding the same bike, and they, um, you know, they just like pulled up in the street, and I, and I just happened to catch their eye, and he just like, come here, you know what I mean? And then he was like, yo, and I, and I said, I said, I don't know. And they, and they let you go. Yeah, they just let me go. What did you do with the gun? Well. I had it for a, 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 a second, and then I went and threw it. I had it in a uh, in a box, and then I went and threw it in the river. You know, I, I, I saw that in the movies. You know, so I said, "All right, let me let me do that." You know, just get rid of it. And so that's when I went there. Did you think in the days later? Um kind of the following days, were you always thinking to yourself, at any minute, I'm going to be arrested. The cops are going to show up. 
they're going to stop me. Yes. Ten days after the shooting, Travell was walking around with friends when a police car pulled up. He was handcuffed and taken to the police station. He kept asking what was going on, and remember someone said something about a gun. He kept waiting for the police to say something like, We got you. But they didn't. And then he was released. It didn't have anything to do with the shooting. Later, he was arrested again for selling cocaine, three times in two months in 1996, and ended up serving seven months in prison. Were you ever thinking, if they found out that I shot someone, I could be in here for a lot longer? Yes. Yes, that's what I, that's what I thought a lot, you know? It was, it, was, it, was a, it, was a, it was like a grave fear. That it, was a, it was a grim feeling to, 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 to think about that, like, you know? And I used to look around and, you know, you see the older guys and you see, if it, you know, you don't know their situations, but you just think they've been in there forever, you know what I mean? So he's like, wow, I'm gonna be one of these guys that just be, been in jail all his life. Like, you know, and the fear used to be like really, really heavy and intense, you know, but. Because I can imagine that, you know, they've got you in prison right now. So I'm in prison right now. All someone needs to do is figure this out and I'm never walking out. They right. they got, uh, they've taken the first step away of getting me in here. Like you hit it, you hit it on the nail, Phoebe. I'm not, I'm not really gonna lie. That's actually exactly the feeling. Like I'm never gonna get out of here. You know what I mean? Like I'm feeling like it's a possibility that I'm not gonna walk out of here. You know, and then I'm gonna have to be in here for years. You know, when you're young, you can't fathom years, and you know what I mean. So it's like I was like, you know, it was, it was, it was bad. You know, but I just kind of just got around. You know, I just. Got, got through the time and uh, came home. When he got out of prison, Travell decided to try to focus on his music. By this time, people were starting to know who he was. You know, I had, uh, I had, a, I had a song that I did, and, and, one, and somebody had heard it from the industry called uh, Gangstar. I don't know if you remember Gangstar, but they heard it. And so one of the guys, the way they heard it was a guy from my neighborhood was, was in their group. And he, you know, he he told me that they shouted me out and put me in the on the back of their uh on their album. You know how they put the credits and they put my name. So that was like my first, you know, you know, taste of you know the industry. Like they, so I'm like, wow, people know my name. And but that was a little that was a little bit before I got locked up. So when I came home, I kind of had you know that motivation because of that. Like you know, I was like, well, you know, I, I felt like I was part of the you know, the coach at that point, you know, so I kept doing mixtapes and stuff like that. And um, and I had did a demo in a song called Dollar Bill. And um, Black Rob, I don't know if you know Black Rob is, he, he, signed, he was signed to Bad Boy, Bad Boy Entertainment at that time. And he heard the song, he was like, I like this guy, I wanna meet him, you know, and I, and I met him. He, he wound, long story short, he wound up putting me on his album in 1998, he said, yo, I want you to get on my album. And he wound up, he really called me and said, yo, you ready? And I was like, wow, really? He was like, yeah. When Travell got to the studio, someone from Bad Boy Records, the label founded by rapper Sean Combs, was there too. They was like, yo, look, would you, would you want to sign to Bad Boy? And that's just how that went. In 1998, I got signed. You know, at that time, 
that was the big that was the biggest label probably biggest rap label probably in the world you know what i mean they had biggie biggie smalls they had mace they had black rob they had craig mack total puffy you know what i mean so it was like that was the label to be on you know what i mean so it was like you know when they when they asked me to sign it was like a dream come true i was like wow they were just huge man they were everywhere so it was definitely an honor to be you know considered you know travel remembers his grandmother was very proud of him when he told her the news i used to walk in the door she's like bad boy <laughs> What tell me about how life changed once things started happening? Well, it kind of, you know, did they give you a lot of money? Yeah, I got a significant amount of money, especially, you know, for for my for my, you know, at the time, you talking about 1998, you know, I signed to I signed for like 350. He remembers he got a nice apartment for his girlfriend and their new baby. I just took care of my family, you know what I mean? You know, we, we moved and I had just had a, a daughter. So that was just right on time. It was definitely a blessing because I had just had a daughter. By the time he was signed to Bad Boy Records, it had been five years since the shooting. You know, the euphoria of being signed, when it wore off, that's when I, you know, started. I was right back to, you know, how I, I thought again, like, okay, now... You know, this 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 would be terrible if they come down. You know what I mean? Like, you know, so that's when I think I started like using heavy drugs a little more. Like, not heavy, but I, I just, you know, I had I just started using drugs even more. Like more weed, more liquor. You know what I mean? I wasn't doing anything else but that. But it was like, you know, I was trying to kind of like, you know, just you know, forget, just be on autopilot. Like, you know what I mean? Because I, I felt like, you know, whatever's going to happen, it just needs to happen, you know. But I'm not going to, you know, I can't think about it right now. You know what I mean? You know, I just, it was one of them things. That must be such a horrible way to live, worried all the time. Yeah, yeah, it was because you're never, you're never really in your right state. You know what I mean? You kind of always, you know, you're kind of like an animal kind of like, you know what I mean? That's kind of just like you know, erratic and, you know, not really thinking. You're not, you're not really being and functioning the way you should be functioning. So that's, that's kind of how I was, you know. I was just kind of like, you know, just existing, you know, you know, just taking whatever came my way, you know what I mean? In 2001, Travell's first album was released under his stage name, G-Dep. The singles from the album Let's Get It and Special Delivery both made it into the top five on Billboard's Hot Rap Songs chart. Vibe magazine gave his album 4.5 out of 5 stars. And the website Rap Reviews wrote, G-Dep is the latest protege of rap's royal family. Travell was featured on songs with other artists, including Missy Elliott, Snoop Dogg, and Genuine. He was invited to appear on Soul Train, the very famous variety show that had hosted stars like James Brown, Aretha Franklin, and Michael Jackson. And then, in 2003, Travell's grandmother died. She was 73. You know, she was she was kind of sick. I didn't know she was sick. You know, she was the type of person that she didn't really tell you, you know, what was going on with her health. Like, she would, like, insinuate, like, you know, I'm not going to be here forever. 
you know, one of them things. But, you know, she, she um, when she passed, you know, it was kind of like, you know, I didn't, it didn't I, I didn't really, I didn't really see the, you know, I didn't really understand how much, you know, she was, you know, how, how big of a part, a part that she played in my life until she left. You know, I was like, I was like, you know, kind of like, it's like I kind of got hurled into like, you know, really, really being responsible for my life when she passed. And I think that had a lot to do with, you know, the way I started thinking, you know what I mean? Because it was like, you know, there's no buffer between you and and reality anymore, you know what I mean? You, you're, you know. And I think that's what, you know, when, 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 when family members pass, I think that's what happens. You kind of get more and more in touch with, you know, reality, like who you, who you, who you are, what you've done, you know. So, you know, when she passed, that's, that's kind of what I went through. I kind of started realizing that I had to, you know, step up to, to, to whatever I had to step up to deal with, you know. After Travell's grandmother died, he says he started doing even more drugs. Then I started smoking PCP. I started smoking dust a lot, you know. You know, this is probably about 2003, 2003-ish, you know. Right? Like, as soon as, soon as she passed, I, I started, you know, I was kind of indiscriminate. I didn't really care, you know, as, you know, as far as, like, you know, uh, you know, trying to uphold some type of, you know, dis- discretion or anything. You know, I was like, you know, you know it doesn't matter, you know. What happened with your music career? Was it starting to kind of fizzle out because you were just not able to, to be there and be doing it in the best way you could? Right, yeah, that's that's actually what happened. I, um, you know, after a while, the label started, you know, you know, it started, they started seeing that I wasn't as serious as I should have been, you know? So, you know, so, you know, after a while, you know, people can only, you know, they they tried to, to, you know, get me to go the right way. Yo, listen, man, you know, you should maybe, you know, try to clean yourself up, try to, you know, you know, you know they didn't really know what was going on, but after a while, they, they started being apparent, like, well, yo, listen, you know, you're gonna either have to go to a rehab or, you know, and then sooner or later, they just backed up. You know, they were like, you know, they were like, listen, you can get yourself together, you know, you know, call us. You know what I mean? It was one of them things. About a decade had passed since that night in 1993. By now, Travell had met a woman named Crystal Sutton. They had twin boys together, Tyler and Travell Jr., and they got married. In those years, was was that night still coming? in kind of your lowest points, were you still thinking about that night? Would it hit you in the middle of the night or, you know, worried? Yeah, you know, around that time, like I think I was just coming to a point, you know, in my life, I was getting older and, you know, I started really appreciating life a lot more, you know what I mean? Life in general, you know, not really my life, but just like, you know, like like kind of like the whole, you know, blessing of, of, of life. And, 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 and I started really reflecting on what might have happened, you know? And I was like, wow, well, you know, what if this guy had, you know, kids? Or what if this guy, you know, 
I used to just compare my life to his always. It was like a parallel, like, you know what I mean? Like, wow, well, what would he be doing right now? Or what would, you know, Christmas time, like, I would think, like, well, you know, I wonder, you know, if he would, is he, is he going to see his, his mother right now? You know what I mean? Would he be going to see, you know, so it was one of them things. Like, I, I just started, you know, just thinking more and more about that night, you know? We'll be right back. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. Hi, I'm Johanna Ferreira, content director of Pop Sugar Juntos. Juntos is all about celebrating Latinx culture, pride, our many intersectional identities, and joy. Thanks to support from Prime, there's so much to get into over at Juntos this month. From conversations with the Latinx minds behind our favorite new movies and resurrected TV shows, to thoughtful celebrity commentary, and exclusive interviews with some of the biggest Latin music artists today. And it doesn't stop there. Get more of the music, movies, and shopping you love on Prime. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more of whatever you're into from streaming to shopping. And get all of our latest coverage at PopSugar.com slash Juntos. Con amor, Johanna. Did you ever go by where the shooting happened? Yeah, all the time. All the time. I lived in that, in that neighborhood. That was that was where I was from, so I remember looking out the window at the at the at the spot, you know, and just be like, I just couldn't escape it. Travell Coleman says by this time he thought about it every single day, sometimes right before he fell asleep, or sometimes it would pop into his mind out of nowhere. He remembers one time he was staying in a hotel and taking an elevator down to breakfast. He says it just hit him. Suddenly it felt like the people in the elevator were the man's family, just looking at him. Travell started trying to talk about what had happened. He remembers that his mother's response was, that was a long time ago, that was in the past. He says he doesn't think she believed what he was telling her. He tried to talk about it with Crystal, too. You know, I, I definitely, I definitely trusted her, you know. So we spoke, we spoke about, about that situation a couple of times. And I actually told her that I might, I said, I did tell, she was probably the only person that I said that, said this to, I said, um, I said, yeah, I'm thinking about, I might turn myself in for that. And she was like, she was like, what would that do? Like, you know, what, what, you know, what do you think that would do? Like, she wasn't really looking at it from a, my, the standpoint I was looking from, looking at it from, you know, she was kind of looking at it like, well, you know, you know, that would just, you know, just take you away from everything. It's just your kids, uh, you know, your sons, uh, they, they're going to, you know, miss their father. You know, she, you know, that's that's the kind of thing she she was thinking about, you know. And I just said, yeah, you know, I just think about it sometime. And I just kind of brushed it off. But, yeah. 
Did it, did it feel like when you would talk to Crystal about it or anyone else that they were hearing what you were saying, but they, they couldn't actually understand what you were actually feeling, which was that you had been living with that, you know, they didn't get, they weren't getting it. Right. That, right. That's, that's what I mean. Like they weren't really like kind of grasping the whole thing. You know what I mean? They were like, you know, well, look, it's, it was a long time ago, you know, and, you know, I mean, you know, they could, I, they couldn't understand. I, I didn't expect them to. I just wanted to talk about it and, you know, kind of bounce it off somebody. I wanted somebody to say what they said, you know what I mean? Don't worry about it, you know, look, listen, you know, that was what I was kind of looking for. I wanted somebody to say, look, man, nothing happened. Nah, that didn't happen, you know what I mean? Like, I kind of was still in denial, you know what I mean? But, you know, you know, I knew you know, what I needed to do, you know what I mean? You know, I started thinking about it more and more. I'm like, well, look, like, you know, if anything did happen, you know, that, you know, that would be, you know, I just felt like that was the only way, you know, I can, I can resolve it, you know what I mean? Like, I've been, you know, understand if something been on your mind for the past 15 years, you you feel like you want you want to do anything to get to the bottom of it. Like, okay, look, what can I do about this? You know what I mean? And then I just thought about it. Well, if I turn myself in, I could find out what happened to him. And if something did happen, then here we go. You know what I mean? And then I can kind of move on, whatever, whatever you know, whatever happens after that, you know? Because you didn't know if he was alive or dead. No, I didn't. I didn't know. You know, I you know, after a while. You know, I told myself he was, he, he was all right, you know, but I still didn't know, you know, I, I didn't know, I didn't know for sure. Did it get to a point where, even though if he had died, you knew that you would be going to prison for a very long time, it didn't matter anymore? Nah, it didn't matter. It was like, it is what it is at that point. That's how, that's how I looked at it. Like, whatever happens, you know, this is, this is it. By this point, it was 2010. It had been 17 years. I went to the precinct, and um, they, uh, they, they, you know, I told them about it. They kind of, like, laughed me out of, out of there. What did you say? I said, look, um, I wanted to talk about a murder that I think happened. I said, I actually said murder. I said, I think I want to tell you about a murder that I think happened a few years ago. They was like, where? And I said, it was a few years ago on Park Avenue. And he was like, he was like, what do you want to tell you about? You know, I just wanted to, you know, I wanted to tell you that I, you know, you know, that I, I was the guy that shot somebody, I shot somebody on, you know. And he was like, where? He said, he said, you said, when? I said, I said, a few years ago, it, was, it had to be in the early 90s. And he kind of like, he was like, all right, you know what? He was like, yo, give me, give me, he's like, take my card and, you know, give me your number. Uh, I gave him my number, and he was like, I'll call you. If, I, if we hear about anything, if, I, if I'm going to look into it, and if I hear anything, I'll call you. And if I, if I, I said, okay, I said, all right. So I just left, you know, and then, and then, he, and then you know, I had a phone at that time, and I lost it, right? So I was like, well, you know, and then he said, I'm going to call you in the next couple of weeks, something like that, right? So that was in the back of my mind. So I said, you know what, let me go back and check. And after this, I'm just going to leave it alone. You know what I mean? 
What happened when you went back? Well, they, you know, the guy kind of took me more serious. It was a different, it was a different guy. And he was like, he was like, when did that happen? I said, I said, I don't know, maybe about 99, 93. I kind of remembered the year. So I said, I said, 93, it was in the winter. I said, it was like in the fall, kind of. You know, he was like, he was like, he was like, hold on, let me, he's like, wait right here, sit, sit, sit down right there. You know, he was kind of cordial. He was like, no, he was like, all right. He was like, all right, I'm gonna look into that. He was like, wait right here though. So he went in, and, you know, he was taking kind of long, you know, I was like, wow, all right. So then he came back out. He said, look, I want you to step in here for a minute. You know, I want to, you know, talk to you for a minute. And then I said, like, they put me in a room like this, you know, and then I was kind of, that's when I kind of knew something had happened, you know. Travell signed a confession about what he remembered from that night. And then, someone came in and told him what had happened. Next time, the rest of Travell's story. You know, I've heard of people turning themselves in, but it's usually soon thereafter the crime, or it's somebody who knows law enforcement is looking for them. What makes this entirely unique is that Travell was never a suspect in the first place. So no, I've never experienced anything like someone coming forward 17 years after the fact. So no, this is absolutely extraordinary. Criminal is created by Lauren Spohr and me. Nadia Wilson is our senior producer. Katie Bishop is our supervising producer. Our producers are Susanna Robertson, Jackie Sajiko, Lily Clark, Lena Sillison, Sam Kim, and Megan Kinane. This episode was mixed by Veronica Simonetti. Engineering by Russ Henry. Julian Alexander makes original illustrations for each episode of Criminal. You can see them at thisiscriminal.com. And sign up for our newsletter at thisiscriminal.com newsletter. If you like the show, tell a friend or leave us a review. It means a lot. We hope you'll join our new membership program, Criminal Plus. Once you sign up, you can listen to criminal episodes without any ads and get a bonus episode each month. To learn more, go to thisiscriminal.com plus. We're on Facebook and Twitter at Criminal Show and Instagram at criminal underscore podcast. We're also on YouTube at youtube.com slash criminalpodcast. Criminal is recorded in the studios of North Carolina Public Radio, WUNC. We're part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. Discover more great shows at podcast.voxmedia.com. I'm Phoebe Judge. This is Criminal. Thanks to Progressive for their support. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who switch to Progressive save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. 
Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations.